Kate, Mary! You binge watch your average Netflix show and you just want to talk to someone about it. We need to talk to someone we about Louie. We need to Louis. talk to someone about Louie. Hello! Hi, Mary. Uh, are you feeling more frog dog today, or are you are you more monkey at this point? <laughs> I would love a flat pack to put together. I think you know. I just need like it's almost like the ultimate puzzle is a flat pack for me. And oh. puzzles have never found more popularity of late. And you know, bonus, you get to occupy the children with your leftover box parts, which I have never even thought of before. Um, well, I'm sure everyone is now. I'd always found that with a flat pack the most the best bit about it is the cathartic throwing away of things you no longer need (laughs) and clearly I am very much in the chili bandit camp on that one so that was uh very satisfying to see I felt I (laughs) felt a great sense of achievement just watching them ditch things even if uh they live to regret it (laughs) isn't the shiny bit meant to face up uh I don't think it matters Uh, I think it does Mary, the flat pack is such a great episode. For me, it was probably just behind sleepy time in the season two drop as far as, you know, just um, story content in terms of um, music and all the messaging. I just thought it was an amazing piece. Uh, For one glorious day, it was like, that is it. Bluey has transcended. It can never get better than this. And then Sleepy Time came out. But it was a great day for me. It was a great day of glory for Flatpak, wasn't it? Um, But the the thing that we wanted to start off by talking about today um, is about uh, a recent complaint and about this episode because it's something that, to be honest, when I watched it for the first time and subsequent times, I didn't pick up on and I actually feel a little bit guilty that I didn't see this earlier, Um, but it's something really important and I think we should, you know, discuss. Um, So the complaint that was made was about Bluey and Bingo when they're um, in the episode at one point they say um, they're pretending they're cave dogs and they say ooga booga. And the ABC this week actually released a um, a statement. The viewer complained that the episode uh, included a term with racial connotations and problematic history for Indigenous Australians, um, and they've resolved it by editing it. Yeah, and sincerely apologised for any distressed calls. Now, this affects another episode as well, teasing, um, because uh, Bingo in that episode calls Bandit. Yeah, we don't... I don't want to say this word more than we have to, but um, yeah, I had I had no idea about the the words racial connotations. Yeah, it's a funny one, and I can see why it wasn't picked up in, or perhaps it didn't jump out to as many people in teasing because obviously the context in this one is um, the girls are playing, you know, cave cave dogs. Uh, a particular race, I suppose. Um, so it does have a bit more of that connotation. But, yeah, it's not a term I'd ever heard, Kate. I tried to go down a bit of a rabbit hole on it, I suppose, and you don't even get far looking it up as a search term because I guess, you know, unlike, say, blackface where there is just so much awareness and literature about that kind of 
mm. those racist connotations. Um, really, so much of Australia's Indigenous and colonial and I guess racist history is kind of untold. So I know there has been backlash or just even bewilderment, I suppose, from a lot of Bluey fans going, well, I've never heard this term before, but I guess that's not really the point, is it? No, absolutely not. I mean, um, after the complaint was made public, uh, we've seen lots of um, chat on all the social media sites this week. And for people who were reflecting as to what the term meant to them or how they interpreted it, it seems like it was um, perhaps an older term that was used to describe people who were Indigenous or dark-skinned and it was something that was negative. And with as with any phrase that has um, unintended or intentional consequences, I guess, you know, I'm just going to say it bluntly, white people don't get to decide what is offensive. <laughs> so, well, yeah. And I think it's it's probably testament to how much people respect Bluey and um, I guess how confident was that the complainant or complainants were as well that they could kind of get a really positive result out of this, that they yeah. didn't try to... Um, make it a public complaint. It wasn't kind of the, you know, for want of a better term, it wasn't the cancel culture approach, call it out and generate the outrage. It was just a very, I guess, simple, straightforward, hey, this is a problem. And yeah, ABC agreed, Ludo agreed, and they fixed it. Like, we don't know what went on behind the scenes. But um, one perspective on it is, well, it's kids watching. They don't know the connotations. But mm. I think there has been quite a movement of trying to fix potentially problematic things in kids' television because um, it just sends such a positive message if there can be a positive outcome. And I know when, for instance, Disney Plus launched, they took a pretty proactive approach, still some criticism around that approach, but put a content warning on um, films that, are close to my heart, like like Dumbo, which I watched as a kid, and probably a lot of people going, "What is wrong with Dumbo?" But um, but when you sort of see it written in black and white, that the the crow scene from Dumbo yeah. is very much a kind of minstrel show, talking jive, um, white man pretending to be black man, and a very blackface look about it. You're like, mm. oh, okay, well, obviously no kid would come to that conclusion but kids as we know aren't the only ones watching kids shows and um and yeah it's it's confronting to kind of think about how many people would have been hurt by that at the time and Mm. how many people you can you know prevent being hurt by taking positive action and and that's exactly I think the purpose of you know, a very small edit. So they've changed it to ooh ooh in this episode. And I think, you know, the fact that we want our children to be wonderful, empathetic, kind human beings, I'd be devastated if, you know, a show that I love had inadvertently, like, you know, if my kids were repeating something that it could inadvertently harm someone else and make them feel lesser or um, be really affected by the negative sort of uh, connotations that they might hold with that word. So, you know, keeping the word hurts people and changing it 
doesn't hurt anyone. So, yeah, I'm all in favour. And it's so nice because Bluey, I guess, has been a universe which is so inclusive. We've seen, you know, neurodiversity. We've seen, um, you know, uh, family diversity. We've seen all sorts of um, things. <laughs> talking that dogs. Been, talking yeah, dogs. It's diverse. You've got yeah, to hand it to them. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, but... No, in all seriousness, I think, you know, um, anything that people can do that is kind and brave and um, empathetic and emotionally intelligent, yay. So, you know, um, hooray. hooray, hooray. And I'm so glad that they did it with no fuss. There wasn't a big, you know, I mean, we're seeing a little bit of this PC gone mad sort of, you know, backlash now. But but really, I, I just, yeah, I come back to think we're not here to to be right we're here to get it right and I love that they've just made that change and it doesn't change the episode in any way I don't even know if my kids noticed when the words changed so yeah I only noticed because we were like obviously seeing the complaint and then watching it with the context of the complaint so yeah yeah. Um, <laughs> That's a very rambly way of saying, well done, Ludo. <laughs> Where's the pen gone? Uh-oh. What? The shiny bit was supposed to face up. Ah, oh, biscuits. <laughs> From our perspective, it yeah. probably couldn't have happened to a worse episode because... <laughs> As if there wasn't already enough to talk about in Flatpak, uh, it only in seven minutes attempts to, well, not attempts, succeeds in capturing all of creation, all of uh, the world and then the meaning of life as well. Yeah, um, and raising so- a child and going to Ikea. So, you know, <laughs> like... <laughs> So, where do we even start, Kate? Oh my God. Uh, yes, I think I think when this episode um, was first uh, slated, not even uh, before it even dropped, there was already a buzz because flat pack is just such an evocative term. There was a lot of debate about: Are they going to IKEA? Are they going to Hammer Barn? Yeah, because um, we'd already seen Hammer Barn at that point. I think no, flat pack say, for me is IKEA. Like, yeah, yeah. I, know, I know they never say the thing, but there's a cartoon dog and there's is um, clearly a Swedish-looking name on whatever they've purchased. So, you know. I tried to look it up. I don't think you can actually buy a a sort of a veranda swing seat from Ikea. And it looks like it's called sell on the instructions. Like you you can never quite read the the, uh, human words in in the blue verse. But, yeah, couldn't find any sign of either the design or the name so disappointing because I'm sure they would have been running off shelves perhaps um perhaps it's a merchandising deal that's yet to eventuate and <laughs> I would absolutely invest in that even with all the looming pain of putting it together that's the last time I step foot in that place again oh no I could live there can we play with the boxes yep hooray <laughs> on on the IKEA like scale where do you sit Oh, every time, like I am, I am always never going back there, but it has happened to me many times. So yeah, I just, I like the idea of convenient furniture, but, um, and I love the put together that, that is the good part for me. It's actually being in Ikea. I think I'm with Bandit there. The, 
the endless kind of arrow following and <laughs> never escaping is, yeah, a bit um, claustrophobic for me, I think. It just um, reminds me of that great Australian comedy, um, Kath and Kim, where Brett and Kim are down the aisles and they're lost and Brett's just like, just follow the arrows, Kim, just follow the arrows. And they've, <laughs> they've clearly been going around in circles for it feels like days and their hair's all frazzled by the end of the episode. Um, Relatable. But, yeah, I agree that Ikea is something that divides people and, yeah, putting together a flat pack definitely divides people as well. I feel like we might be more on the same page when it comes to the putting together. I think you've confessed to loving this challenge before. Oh, I I am so all over the flat pack put together that, um, true story, 2010, Channel 9, um, I was an entertainment reporter in Melbourne at the time and... Uh, the block was on and they had a challenge where they had to get um, couples to assemble like the hardest Ikea item of furniture to assemble apparently, which is like oh, a, wow. a white plastic light. It's sort of multidimensional and you have to layer it all in together. Anyway, oh, yeah. aced it. They had couples on the challenge on telly that were taking it like over an hour and I was like 15 minutes, baby. It was together. <laughs> um did Tim actually help you at any point? No, or you just no Tim by is not allowed to help me with the flat pack. I think that's the secret to the couples challenge, like just not doing it as a couple. Careful. I'm being careful. Oh, can we play with that? Knock yourself out. <laughs> this particular uh, challenge that Bandit and Chili face probably couldn't do as, as one person and the episode nicely sets up their very different approaches, I guess. Um yeah. To know, like, how did you feel about that half of the storyline and how how they couldn't quite get their approach right? Well, it's really interesting, Mary, because um, I was just sort of imagining initially that it was classic, you know, parents are doing a job while the kids are playing on a first viewing and mm-hmm. Some of the theories that have since sprung up about Flatpak are totally wild. So um, one of them from our very good friend uh, and music correspondent Wade um, Gregory was talking about how perhaps Chile represents religion and bandits representing science and how they're sort of in conflict with each other but then like Chile builds the external frame from which science bandit builds the chair on which it swings and then like they work in partnership when they lose the argy-bargy and like, yeah, it, it, it was an interesting theory and I've watched it since and I'm like, yeah, it could be. Um, I can but, yeah. definitely, yeah, like you, you probably, if you didn't have the other half of the plot which we're about to get to, you probably would never make that leap. No. Uh, I can see it but if that's the case, I am offended both on religion and Chile's behalf because I just can't believe our competent queen, Chile, is so dropsy, thumbbangy. Like, <laughs> what's going wrong? The lady can fix a toilet. Like, hey, hey she said sorry, Mary. Yeah. <laughs> Have you got it? Have you got it? Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, babe, I thought you had it. I said sorry. Oh, you cracked it. 
Do you think Bandit's psyched her? Like she's eye-rolling from the very start at Bandit's kind of slapdash approach, which is science slapdash? I don't know. Well, they're Not ignoring the cartoon the... dog, right? So, you know, like. I guess science doesn't build from instructions. Science just <laughs> is the original. Science just <laughs> like, gives it a go. I don't know. Yeah, like, you know, twice. when you think about it, like because, you know, most scientific discoveries are basically they start with, I think this will happen and then it either happens or it doesn't. So, you know. Um, True. The, the silver thing, I think it goes up. Actually, no, it went down. Anyway, um, uh, yeah. And Yeah, um, look, I think the biggest science, um, science takeaway we can make from that particular part of the plot is that the classic uh, – uh, men are from Mars and women are from Venus, which I, I don't know if that's been stood up scientifically, but definitely it's playing the the plays on that classic trope that yeah, as if men and women can cooperate when they're so diametrically opposed. Um, which yeah, I'm I'm not sure I swallow that, but it does add to the story nicely. Right, I'll just give this a whack. Watch out for my ow! Ooh, I'm okay. And um, I have to say, Mare, underrated line of the season is I don't, I'm not taking advice from a cartoon dog. So. <laughs> uh, well, look, considering I've now built my entire sort of philosophical and religious beliefs around this episode, yeah. um, I don't know if I can relate to that line, but we'll get to it. We will get there. <laughs> So let's move on down to the girls who have been playing with um, the discarded offcuts, which um, they start off as like a little bit of um, bubble wrap and then, you know, progress to like bits of cardboard and then finally the styrofoam supporting bits, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's there's a lot to unpack with the girls, with the game that the girls are playing. Um, it, they they kind of um they start off as being um fish in the ocean. Pretend I'm the mama fish and you're my baby fish. Okay. And then they go through this whole evolutionary chain, like you know, stopping through monkeys and birds and dinosaurs and lizards and uh, um, all sorts of things. You've forgotten my favourite, which is frogs. Or... Oh yes, <laughs> frog dogs. Which is amazing. Um, yeah, tell me. Yeah. The girls, like, you've got to hand it to the girls. Their imagination definitely puts them high on the evolutionary scale. Like, they just smash this out of the park. Um, but, yeah, it's it obviously sort of escalates to meaning something more than just random games inspired by the random uh, random scraps that they get thrown by Bandit and Chili. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's quite interesting too how they also interweave this storyline of raising a child, you know, so Bingo starts off as the baby uh, fish and then yes. and then sort of evolves as well, you know, becoming a toddler and then a big girl and then a teenager as they're moving through these different the species. species. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what I really want to talk about, Mary, is when they are cave dogs and then they go into this box cave and start um, drawing different pictures in the box with um, the pens. And mm-hmm. um, the 
such a rabbit hole I went down. Um, have you ever heard of uh, Plato's, um, oh, God, what is it called again? I'm going to say cave? it. Well, yes, Plato's Cave. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think that uh, just sums up exactly what my brain is in lockdown. Yes, uh, Plato's look, I, I have spent at least five minutes on the Wikipedia page for it in the tell, very recent Tell me past. what Wikipedia <laughs> is telling you, Mary, because I'm uh, here. Okay, you probably got further than I did, but um, but basically, it's the idea that um, that man ascends to a higher plane when he perceives uh, information about what he sees rather than just sees it. Um, so, so it's the, I guess, ancient Greek uh, philosophy fable of of men chained in a cave and they see the shadows and they just think that that's their reality, the shadows, but then they begin to perceive that the shadows might be more and that there is a world outside. So, yeah, I saw that. What did, What was your take? Well, um, yeah, pretty much uh, was thinking about Plato's cave and I guess the, the sort of that sort of concept because they go into the cave and they – in their drawings, they sort of explain their evolutionary. And when they emerge from the cave, which, you know, um, Plato's theory talks about the the prisoner which is freed and goes out into the world and then all of a sudden, um, you know, is able to rationalise and um, think about things in different ways and really understand that world around him through empirical evidence. And, um, yeah, and, and when they do emerge from the box, that's when they become builders. So... Yeah, I thought that was um, a very neat way of kind of showing age of enlightenment, if you like, you know, the sort of the mm. the, the becoming of man, if you know, I think therefore I am. Um, I mean, the fact, the audaciousness of being able to cram all of this in a seven-minute oh, episode of children's look, television is mind-boggling. But, yeah, yeah look, we're going to be here uh all day, all night, whenever you're listening to us, <laughs> expect yeah, just put aside 24 hours, please. Um, but yeah, it's that is a pretty incredible moment, and it, we talked about it um, when we had Blake on the show to mm. talk film as well, because that moment of um, Bluey lifting up the one of these, which is the Allen key from those ever-present Allen keys from a, IKEA flat pack, um, yep. <laughs> is yeah, so one similar to that key moment in 2001, A Space Odyssey, um, which when I first saw it, I didn't actually make that connection. To me, it was very like a kind of almost – Rise of the Workers, like Soviet poster. Um, So I did wonder if it was even getting political, like perhaps it wasn't so much the ability to work as the the importance of the worker. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) once... Once Blake had pointed out the similarities, I'm like, no, it, it is just about the tool and uh, man's evolution, I guess, uh, with tools. Probably lucky the first tool discovery wasn't an Allen key. I feel like it would have been very helpful back then um, for whatever it was that needed doing. We recently did an online trivia night with your brother who's been running um, trivia every fortnight in lockdown. We had to name, what was it, the the six tools or something that 
oh, were yeah. considered like the birth of modern machinery. And yeah, Alan Key wasn't on the list. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think anything much was on our list. Or no. nothing right. At the end. <laughs> no, it wasn't on our list. Because what was it? Uh, it was like we would not have gone well uh, at yeah at the early True. days of man. We would not yeah. have been coming up with anything useful. We've just been like. <laughs> Where are the cocktails? Like, we seriously. Were, we've been sitting around and talking about all the useful stuff other people were coming yeah, up with. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a skill. Oh, of course it's my fault. Yeah. Quick bingo. Lizards can't swim. So that's the that's the narrative that Bluey and Bingo are going on, the, the evolution um, of the species to emerge from the cave Um and become like modern man or modern dog man, essentially. Um, but in that cave, something very important um, happens because as well as um, Bluey kind of illustrating and explaining to Bingo their progress from fish and through all the animals, Bingo then it's like, well, what's that up there? And Bluey's drawn Bandit and Chili as the gods at the top mm. of the stairs. Um, and proceeds to kind of um, play out them arguing, which is exactly what's happening. They're arguing over the flat pack put together. Um, but it's kind of, to me, it was such a, um, we know that uh, Joe Brum's got this kind of fascination with like the Greek mythology and um, the Odyssey and um, all those, like all those kind of ancient stories. Mm. Um, to me, arguing gods just screams those ancient stories and kind of gods that almost don't even you know have have might have triggered some human events but um but are barely aware of what's happening down on earth yeah. and that's to that point that's kind of where bandit and chili have been at as well like yeah. they're not paying any attention to the evolution that's going on in front of their eyes But then um, this is kind of like the circuit breaker moment, I guess. So while, um, yeah, while they've been arguing and, you know, hitting each other accidentally with hammers and all this sort of stuff, this is the moment where they look at their kids and go, we made them, which, again, I felt was a very creator-like statement. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, then they decide to drop the argy-bargy and sort of split um responsibilities to come together at the end to build this thing together so layers of symbolism I think so uh, well um, so much going on because yeah as man dog becomes aware of kind of their place in the universe um god dog is kind of realizing their their creator role and stepping it up so there's something <laughs> so I don't know what religion like this would be um like whether that's Old Testament and New Testament almost, <laughs> or um, or something much more, much less known. Um, but yeah, the, it's it's the, you're right. It's the real turning point of the episode, and yeah. um, we're meant to take some great meaning from it. And um, I'm just waiting for all the books to be written about what we're actually meant to understand <laughs> from it. <laughs> I'm waiting for like the random cult people somewhere to like be like, this is our cult now. <laughs> oh, that's is, us. Yeah, yeah. We have frog dogs. That's us. <laughs> I would I would very happily join a frog dog based religion, I reckon. Really? <laughs> 
on, you know. Like it's it's almost like it's up there with the uh, the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. Like dog <laughs> dogs are pretty adorable. Flying spaghetti monsters are pretty adorable. So, yeah, I'm not ruling it out. Anyway, we shouldn't joke about it because we're both very Catholic. I feel guilty. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but you're doing Catholic right if you're feeling guilty, Kate. Yeah, That's right. Right. <laughs> we have Catholic for the day. We definitely have. Um, <sighs> anyway, all right, so moving moving right along, um, we get to this beautiful styrofoam city, I guess, that, you know, um, Bandit and Chill have been discarding the supports from their boxes of... Um, hammock wonder and uh the the girls have built amazing towers and bridges it reminds me a little bit lord of the rings-esque when um gandalf and the elves are sailing to um the havens and oh, that's sort of okay. that farewell scene on the boat almost like uh, well yeah it does have that big strip down the middle i guess that could yeah. be the river yeah, yeah. anyway it just um yeah, we rewatched it recently and I was like, yeah, maybe that's a little not there. But again, so many layers of symbolism in this. So um, I know Blake was definitely talking about, you know, the moment that Bingo jets off and is like, I'm all grown up. And she hops into a makeshift like space exploration vehicle, shall we say, to go tootle around the backyard. But I'm not a teenager anymore. I'm all grown up. Look, Mum, I built a spaceship to go and explore space. Oh, you're always such a clever thing. There's a really poignant moment as well when Bluey looks and sort of says, now what? And, I mean, as a parent, you can kind of really relate to that because, yeah, don't we all have those moments where you just sort of go, oh, God, now what? You know, like, well, yeah, I'm on my I'm- own. I'm going to be an empty nester. <laughs> Oh, hopefully uh, we do not have that for a long time to come. But, yeah, I think it, it, it's it's more than that as well because it's, well, what not only what is the meaning, you know, post, post-active parenting, but, mm. yeah, what is the meaning of life? And that's when um, Chili just perfect kind of whisper in the ear, God style. Mm-hmm. Hey. Up here. And, yeah, Bluey ascends. There's no other word for it. No, there really isn't. She's going up that staircase and it's almost like a Michelangelo, um, you know, God and Adam in the Sistine Chapel kind of moment where they're touching hands and um, then Bluey goes up and, and joins her parents on the deck. But... I mean, Brisbane has always looked beautiful, but it is totally washed in this gorgeous orange glow and, yeah, the healer's backyard really does look heavenly. Absolutely. And also, you know, the uh, the healer's backyard ornamented by Bingo still buzzing around as the little space dog that she is. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which, like, yeah, it's, like, is the meaning of life to watch spacemen float around in space? Is the meaning of life to make it to the porch? Is the meaning of life to finally <laughs> put together the swing? Like, it's, there's so much potential in there. Um, this little world that's been created uh, feels very perfect as well. I don't think there was any... Um, 
serpents offering apples to kind of ruin <laughs> everything, which is nice. Um, if we could do it all again, I think I'd definitely do it the heel away. Yeah, definitely. That really didn't work out well last time. So, you know, I'm happy to change check. <laughs> but, yeah, like did you sort of get one big takeaway from this, Kate? Um, um, oh, God, like where do you even start with an episode like this? Like my big takeaway, I guess, was that even though they were all evolving, that love that they had for each other was the constant that kept them together and kept the storylines moving forward and um, kept bringing them back to a place where the conflicts and clashes of values were able to be resolved. Oh, look at them. Yeah, little tackers. We made them. Let's try and do this without all the argy-bargy. Good idea. That is a really good point, actually, because, yeah, that's what's happening at the Chili Bandit level. But, gosh, at the um, Bluey Bingo level, just the Bluey's parenting and Bingo's uh, baby, child, toddler, teenager impressions are just all so adorable. But, yeah, there's a real just nurturing sense between them in those tiny little vignettes you see of them playing mother and daughter and then Mm. just the overwhelming pride when bingo's decided to go got to go off into space bye mom thanks for looking after me that's okay honey Yeah, you're seeing a relationship there. And I guess relationships, you know, if you had to come up with a meaning for life, relationships is probably could be a worse one. Yeah. Uh, Well, for me, yeah, life has always been about loving other people and loving um, the people around you and doing your best to try and leave the world a little better. What's your philosophy for life, Mayor? (laughs) In a nutshell, uh, casually. Yeah, look, I, I think you've probably summed it up there. Um, yeah, it's like I do have that sensation that Bluey has regularly of, well, now what do I do? Like, yes, of course, you know, the mo- finding moments <laughs> to do anything else when you're parenting is um, a few and far between. But, yeah, <laughs> you kind of do want to fill the moments with something bigger than yourself, something more worthwhile. And like even though you've got less time to theoretically do it when you've got a kid, it kind mm-hmm. of almost feels more important because you want to model that for your kid as well. So Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, uh, I oh, think our being... takeaway is that we should go into space um, <laughs> when we leave. <laughs> oh, babe, I'm sure coronavirus isn't interplanetary at the moment so yeah oh, let, space let's, isn't let's taking Victorians at the moment like yeah <laughs> space is just like no you're from Victoria stay no. there stay, <laughs> stay at home stay at home and and obey your oh, curfew what a joy um <laughs> COVID's oh my gosh I just it really is I really wanted to go to space um <laughs> I took so many notes for this episode and I'm just trying to look and see what we've actually covered and what we haven't and there's just like yeah i like just randomly like Plato's cave written in big words like and actually what we should say is 
credit um, a lot of people philosophizing about this episode on a lot of socials, I think mm. have probably fed into our um, hot take on this episode because Definitely. Yeah, a lot of people have strong opinions on flat packs. So thank you to you all. Yeah, the the skill that would go into marrying, you know, these three major storylines while really sensitively navigating something which is a really taboo and often contentious topic for a lot of people. Uh, yeah, I just think it's so, the interplay is amazing. Yeah, hats off as always, but, you know, especially hats off. Mary, let's talk music because I have been texing with John. <laughs> that, that, that segment does need its own music. I've got to hand really it to you. Stop. We need some segment um, music. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to Ari and get that sorted. Um, so I texted him and I said, hi, Joff. We're getting to the final episodes of S2 Part 1 on our podcast. This weekend we're going to record Flatpak. If you have any musical insights, we'd love to hear about them. The music is inspired, capital letters. No small feet giving evolution a soundtrack. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Stay well. And then he wrote back, thanks so much, Kate. Flatpak might be one of my favourites. I guess it's all sort of March of Time stuff there. He's so casual about it. Like, oh, yeah, March of Time. I'm just oh, going to yeah, make yeah, a song. Yeah, accompany that, yeah. Um, really wanted to tie the threads of the storylines together and give a sense that there were bigger ideas in play. Such a well-written episode. All that stuff was in the script. I really didn't want it to be lost. Can't wait to hear your thoughts on the episode. I hope you're great. So texting ah. with Joff. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, Could be my yeah, favourite. What is your favourite bit of the the score for this one. Well, I love how the the music sort of oscillates between this super punchy, like do 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 do, like sort of staccato, mm-hmm. yeah. and then um and then it breaks into this lovely legato, do 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 do, you know, yes. so um which just gives this lovely continuity. It never overplays the dialogue because you think there's so much going on with the storylines. It would have been so easy to um outweigh that I guess like and and probably picking um like a a well-known classical composition might have overshadowed that aspect I guess so so the fact that they've you know done an original composition which beautifully balances out everything it gives the the dialogue the space it needs to breathe and yet forming this constant undercurrent through I I just love it I mean I think yeah if if there was music to mark the march of time, this is probably <laughs> one for the ages. So, uh, um, all I had written down about the music was just big capitals, like sublime strings, <laughs> and those strings yeah. kick in at that moment where Chili looks out over the girls and says, "The ah, oh, we made them." And mm-hmm. what parent hasn't had that moment? And um. Yeah, it definitely is just all the more beautiful with those strings, I reckon. It really does depend on the tone in which you say, we made them. Like it could be, yeah. oh, <laughs> we made them. Oh, yeah. oh what have we done? <laughs> yeah, or you, or you um, could be, you know, the adoring, yeah. It is oh, pretty well, nice when you love your kids that much and it just comes out of you like, we made them. I'm proud of you. 
it, it, yeah, it's much better that way. Although back to things we got wrong, actually. Um, oh yeah. As, as while I was while I was sort of dubious about Chili's lack of skills with a flat pack, um, it is her hammering Bandit's thumb that then prompts Bandit to fall off the steps and inspire the KT extinction event, which you know. <laughs> Um, I was pretty much all about. So, you know, good good things can come even from things that feel like mistakes in the moment. So it's uh, <laughs> I'm glad there's no more T-Rexes running around is the short take on that. Um, have you been following the Twitter account Jurassic Park? Uh, like there's a Jurassic Park um, unofficial no. Twitter account. It's hilarious. You should Ooh, follow it. Okay. Yeah, I'm just going to leave that there. Go and have a look. It's quite funny. That, so. that sounds so tempting already yeah. <laughs> and very timely actually because Kate, the amazing Ludo team, created a poster for this episode Ooh. and you'll never guess what it was. Oh, my God. Was it Jurassic Park? I haven't seen it. <laughs> oh, yes, that's amazing. Yeah, so um, wow. it didn't get shared as much as the others and I think probably because Sleepy Time kind of um, <laughs> overshadowed it. Time was just... Sleepy Time was just. Sleepy Time. Oh, yeah. Um. But uh, Sarah Rackerman, who's one of the newer storyboard artists, um, made this poster and we'll share it on the socials, but it is it is a play on the Jurassic Park poster, not not the very, like I, probably a lot of people can even picture the Jurassic Park poster, which was just the T-Rex kind of yeah. um, skeleton. But no, this is the, the four healers are all in it. Bandit has the classic um, kind of Akubra hat. Um, because that is the hat that the Jurassic Park character wears. <laughs> I, I'm not very up with Jurassic Park. I've got to admit, I still have nightmares about raptors. But anyway, it's it's an amazing poster, but act more amazing. Sarah, when she shared it on um, Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, explained that this episode was her second ever as a storyboard um, artist, so her wow. second go at storyboarding, which – um, when we went to Ludo, we found out a bit about a bit more about that process. And yeah. basically, from the script, the per- first person who kind of gets a go is the storyboard artist. Once the script has been written, um, and it's coming up with those, uh, you know, sketches essentially that kind yeah. of plot out what How the action will look like. Um, and from there, they make the animatics, and then yeah, the the kind of evolution uh, appropriately of the episode rolls on but yeah Sarah's second ever um go at storyboarding and she said Joe taught me so much um that I'm I'll be forever grateful for it so kind of so appropriate for this episode kind of the handing on of knowledge and people yeah. growing in their own you know in their careers and their abilities uh much like the uh evolution of frog dogs that we see before us and that's so lovely because yeah ludo um apparently most of the animation team were like graduates from um uh what's the university in Griffith, brisbane yeah Griffith. Yeah. then they specialize in like animation and yeah they basically just got like you know all these amazing young um, animators in and they're doing this incredible work. Um, and imagine just being straight out of uni and then, like, winning an Emmy for oh, for your work on Bluey. Mind-blowing. Like, yeah, like just what an amazing thing to be part of. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm so glad we get to talk about it too. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you would like to discuss it with us, are we at this stage, by the way? Uh, yeah. Do you have I more think... stuff you want to talk about? No, I think we're skipping all other segments for this episode <laughs> because we have just covered so much. So My much. mind is still exploding. Okay. Um, but, yeah, perhaps perhaps other people's minds aren't exploding. Perhaps you can you know, <laughs> still have the, the wherewithal to get in touch on the socials. <laughs> yeah, and um, you can do that. We're on Twitter. It's at Bluey Podcast. On Instagram, we are at Bluey Pod. On Facebook, you can look up either Gotta Be Done the Bluey Podcast or at Bluey Pod. And you can email us. It's BlueyPod at gmail.com. Do want to add, though, if you have a problem with the ABC changing Ooga Booga, don't at us. We don't we don't care about your opinion. <laughs> like, honestly, we are cheering Ludo for making this decision and, yeah, nah, I don't, don't bother. I'm, I'm kind of up for the conversation, I feel okay, like. Because sure, sure. Is- you can answer those emails then. I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm buying out. Yeah. So, at, yeah. at me. But <laughs> like, there needs to be a conversation. I'm glad there's going to be a conversation um, right. because, you know, it's every week we prove that we've got so much conversation in us about Bluey. But, yeah, it's interesting when Bluey strays into the real world and I, it's going to be, I think, the source of a lot of good talking points. Yeah, absolutely. You are a much kinder person than I am <laughs> and I love you for uh, it. I don't think it's kind, maybe argumentative, but, no, I <laughs> I think there's definitely a lot of interesting discussions to be had and hopefully uh, the the love that is inherent in Bluey can bring people to some kind of understanding with each other around it as well. And, you know, this, this has all happened without the standard dial and outrage kind of thing, which just makes me so happy. You know, we're both former tabloid reporters. Um, we... We know how easily outrage is dialed up to 11. Um, oh, my God. Very tank engine, when they, like, introduced female engines, there was huge outrage around, you know, like polluting the original soda, you know, lifestyle sort of stuff. You know, like it was really <laughs> outrageous. Soda will never be the same. Oh, no, my gosh. I don't know. There was definitely outrage about it, and I know because I saw the articles. So, yeah. yeah. Look, I, you know, it is very easy to get outraged in these weird times but mm. yeah i i think the the lack of outrage around this is very hopeful for a future where we can all happily jet off into space and ascend to swings on the porch and that makes me a lot happier <laughs> uh, um it's uh, been a pleasure yeah, it it has been, Kate. Uh, there's so few episodes left to come, um, including Epic Sleepy Time, which might even be more epic than this. But in the meantime, oh, thank you so much. Thank Got you. To be done. Bye. <laughs> Bye. The cartoon dog says to put some cardboard down underneath first. I'm not taking advice from a cartoon dog.